the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, 69. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to slander me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will keep me safe in His dwelling. 
He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. And wait for the Lord. Psalm 27 As I promised on Pilgrim's Progress yesterday, I'm going to open the phone lines. I would love to pray with you. If you're in the midst of a battle and you don't know how you're going to make it through, call, let's talk together, and let's pray together. If you are desperately battling against the powers of darkness, then call and let's pray together. The number is 877-534-0780. Yesterday the phones jammed up. I was only able to get one person on the air, so I am opening those phone lines early today. 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. This is Pilgrim's Progress. You're welcome to call. I'd be happy to talk with you or pray with you. That passage in Psalm 27 has been such a rich source of comfort and joy to my heart. He is the one in whom I trust. My confidence is in him. My hope is in him. There is no one else. I'm reminded also of Isaiah 65. The cry is, O Lord, would you rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you? We need the mountains to tremble before our mighty God. We need Jesus. We need him to come down in great power and great authority. I'll look at another passage with you while we're waiting for a caller. This is a a passage I have read and stood on by faith. 
in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. In repentance and rest is your salvation. For too many years, the church in America has come close to God with their mouths. They have honored him with their praise and worship, but their hearts have been far from him. Their worship is made up of the rules and rituals of men. We need to get to a new place with God, a place of repentance, a place of rest, a place of quietness and trust. This is our strength. Verse 18 of Isaiah 30. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Now waiting on God does not mean no activity. It is an active waiting upon God. It is not laid back doing nothing it is actively reading the scriptures pursuing God in prayer it is actively seeking after the ways of God it is searching after him with all of your heart we settle back into this dead numbness and then we wonder why our children leave the Lord. They're not interested in our rituals of religion. There's a place God is calling his people today that is a much deeper place. It is a place of repentance. It is a place of turning away from the human will and the human way. It is turning away from anger and bitterness and resentment. It is turning away from judgments and slander, from gossip. It is turning away from all that is of darkness. It is turning to the light. Because in repentance and rest is our salvation. Rest is literally meaning in the in the hebrew cessation stopping it is also at its very root meaning a place of repose a place of lying down a bedroom it is the bedroom of god so it is in repentance and it is in rest that we find salvation quietness and trust is our strength where we absolutely fix our eyes on Jesus and say 
I will not trust in any man or any woman. I will trust in my Lord and my God. He will supply my need. That's what comes out of the prayer closet. When I have been repenting and resting and choosing to rest in the presence of our mighty God. The promise of Scripture is the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. He rises to show you compassion. This year, this new year, is a year of revival. Now, let me be very frank with you. I find most who call themselves Christians very resistant to revival. Why? Because revival literally means that I have backslidden, that I have left my first love, that my heart has grown cold, that I go through the rituals of religion. I may even have some sentimentality in my heart about Jesus, but bottom line, I'm going about my activities and my work and my entertainment and my life, and I try to fit Jesus in around the edges. If it's convenient, you go to church. If it's not convenient, never mind, don't go. It doesn't matter if you miss one week. It doesn't matter if... What? Family doesn't matter? You can walk away, cut off, destroy family with judgments, with laziness? The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Now he continues. O people of Zion, who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. In the entire scriptures, it seems that God always chooses to allow affliction and adversity to break out against us in order to cause us to wake up and draw near to Jesus. Some of you have children who will go to hell if you do not get on your face before God and get a breakthrough in the prayer closet for the salvation of your children. Now, if you look back on how you raised your children you can see the cause-and-effect relationship between where they are now and the way they were raised. Although I will say, children have a mind of their own, 
and they grow up and sometimes they take turns that we would never have expected not in a million years would we have thought they would have done this but they do but it's that prayer closet time that has the power to turn that son or daughter back toward heaven and back toward home I know this by experience with my own children who are now adults with their own families. I still pray for them daily. I still cry out to God for them every day, for their husbands and for their children. If I don't, who will? Whether they want me to or not, I pray. And I pray very specific prayers regarding behaviors that I see that are not in line with the Word of God. The Lord hears a daddy's prayer. The Lord hears a mother's prayer. Are you praying for your children? Are you disturbed by the direction you see them going? We need to pray for our children. If we don't, no one else will. He says, Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. In other words, you will begin to see the purpose for that affliction in your life or that adversity in your life. You will begin to understand by the Spirit why this has been allowed to come into your life. And you will begin to see the progress you are making toward heaven as you submit to that affliction and cry out to God in the prayer closet. You will begin to see your heart transformed and changed. You will see the presence of Jesus in a new way. Look, this is not a time for cheap words. It's not a time for shallow belief in Jesus. We are entering into a new year where we have new opportunities and where revival is the word for this year. Revival now is the word for this year that the Lord has given to me. He says in verse 21, this is Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will defile your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a minstrel cloth and say to them, away with you. And he will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground, and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day your cattle will graze in broad meadows. The oxen and donkey will work the soil, will eat the fodder and mash spread out with fork and shovel. In the day of great slaughter, when the towers fall, streams of water will flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The moon will shine like the sun, 
the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. I'm expecting to hear, and I am hearing, the voice of the Lord very specifically directing my steps. He has said to me very clearly, Wait on the Lord. The Lord will carry you through. I do not believe that the radio broadcast will have to leave the air because of the lack of financial support. I believe God is sending that financial support. I believe that men and women are being moved upon by the Holy Spirit to support this broadcast because of the word and the direction of the Lord. I'm not looking for a benefactor. I have one. His name is Jesus. And he is moving in the hearts of men and women, causing them to sacrificially give that this broadcast could remain on the air. Now, I can't make that happen. But my eyes are on Jesus, and he told me to come and do this broadcast. And because he told me to do it, and because I am walking in obedience to him, he will answer. Every aspect of my life, the house I live in, the car I drive, the food I eat comes from the hand of the Lord. It does not come from a paycheck. It comes as the Lord moves in the hearts of his people to support a ministry that deals in reality and calls to a deeper place to repentance and to rest and to revival. You might want to go to the website revivalnow.church not revivalnow.com revivalnow.church Next Monday night there will be a revival meeting at the All Saints Anglican Church. You're invited to come. It's not starting with a big splash and a big bang and big advertising. We're simply obeying the word of the Lord and by faith stepping forward and saying, Okay, Lord, we'll do this. We'll walk in obedience to you. You see, if revival comes to Washington, it comes because of the Holy Spirit deciding now is the time. And then he finds men and women who will walk in obedience to his call and he moves that revival forward as men and women in the church are willing to sacrifice their time and their money and their energy to make revival take place. It is the work of the Holy Spirit as he moves in your heart. Now, I don't know what he said to you about revival. I don't know how he is directing you. But I can tell you now, Revival has come to Washington. It's just a spark. 
I'm not willing to let that spark go out. I'm not willing to let the spark of revival that God has ignited in this city, I'm not willing to let that go out. And I've been on this radio month after month, year after year, calling you to repent, calling you to get right with Jesus, calling you to revival. And now it's time for the harvest of that revival. I'm trusting Jesus to move in power and to instruct us very clearly on what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. Now our phone number is 877-534-0780 and I'm going to ask Brother Kevin if he would play another song, one that's an old, old song, a revival song. I'm going to ask him to play that song now. A Great Day is Coming. And please call 877-534-0780. And after this song, I'll pray with you if you choose to call. find in Jeremiah the 18th chapter these words 
This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Did you know you're in the hand of God today? You may be following your own agenda. You may be filling your life with all kinds of entertainment. You may be filling your life with things of darkness. You're still in the hand of God. And it will be either unto salvation, repentance, and rest, or it will be unto destruction and judgment. There isn't any possible way for you to escape from the hand of God. It will either be for salvation or for destruction. You may be unconscious of being in the hand of God. Whether you're conscious of being in His hand or not does not alter the reality that you are in the hand of God. He writes in verse 7, Jeremiah 18, verse 7, If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Does God have a disaster planned for your life? If you're simply living day by day, thinking that you're in charge of your own life, you can do what you choose to do, you can listen to whatever you choose to listen to, you can watch the television, you can enjoy all the sports, you can do whatever you want to do, I can tell you now, God has disaster planned for you. And that disaster is coming very close to your life. I don't know whether that will be a crushing of your life or if it will be finally walking into the judgment at your death and then facing the reality that it's too late it's too late to pray it's too late to seek repentance it's too late you now go to judgment he says if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight, and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Are you causing God to reconsider the good he'd planned for your life because of your wickedness, your bitterness? Is God reconsidering what he planned to do for you because of your fornication? And now he's turning aside from you? 
Are you walking in sin against the Almighty God? And if so, do you recognize that God will turn aside from the good He planned to do in your life, and instead He will bring destruction upon you? I've seen a man earnestly seek after God. I've seen a man begin to walk in holiness before the Lord. And I've seen that man begin to receive the blessing of God. I've then seen that man turn and begin to walk once more in sin before Almighty God, and I've seen his whole attitude change. I've seen darkness begin to descend on his face. I've seen disaster begin to come upon his life. There is a cause-and-effect relationship between what we do and what Jesus does. Verse 11, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, This is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. So in spite of every word of God that comes to you, you simply get angry at those words. You're insulted by them. You think to yourself, look, I'm fine. I'm doing great. I have my job. I have my house. I have my car. I have, I have cash. I have, I'm doing great. I have my health. Is God devising a plan against you? If you're walking in any known rebellion against God, he is devising a plan right now against you. Jonathan Edwards put it very graphically. Sinners in the hands of an angry God, that famous sermon. We said, you're unaware that you are walking over the fires of hell and you don't know how thin that surface is upon which you walk. You could break through at any instant and drop into the fire of hell. Or he went further and he said, you're like a spider with a web and you're hanging over that burning place. And God has a pair of scissors ready to snip that security line that you think you have. Now, what terrifies me the most, I'll be very forthright with you, what terrifies me the most is a man who has no fear of God, who calls himself a Christian, but in his inner heart he is stubborn and self-willed, arrogant, self-righteous, a Pharisee, and he thinks that everything should go according to what that mind thinks. So there's no room in his heart to receive the word revival. There's no room in his being to begin to fear God. There is no fear of God in his mind. He does not tremble at the word of God. 
in his arrogant, stiff-necked position. He says, look, I'm fine. I'm going to continue pursuing the plans I have because they're good plans, they're profitable plans, they're good business plans. I'm going to continue going the direction I want to go. I'm not going to stop and take time to examine my life before God. I'm fine. Thank you very much, Pastor. Leave me alone. Frankly, some of you are just in that place as you listen to this, and you're getting very angry because I'm saying these things to you. But isn't it time to deal with Reelsville? And to come into a place where we seek God with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our souls? Isn't it time that we begin to trust in the name of the Lord and rest in the name of the Lord? Isn't it time to begin to walk in this? Jeremiah 17. This is what the Lord says. Cursed or utterly detestable is the one who trusts in man, who who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wasteland, He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water, sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things. Beyond cure, who can understand it? The Lord searches the heart and examines the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Now the cry of my heart is for revival. When I was a kid, I went to a camp meeting. And there was a, as was the custom every year at the camp meeting, they placed a large banner over the stage. And this banner said, No longer doing business as usual. That caught my attention as a, as a young as a young boy, 10, 11 years old. I said, that's interesting. I wonder what's going to change. If they're not doing business as usual, I'd been to camp meeting after camp meeting. I knew how the business of a camp meeting went. I said, what's going to be different this year? So I said to my daddy, Daddy, what do they mean? They're not going to do business as usual. He said to me, Raymond, don't pay any attention to that. That's just advertising. They don't mean it. 
everything is going to go on as it has always gone on at camp meeting. We're going to listen to preachers, and I come because I value some of what the men have to say, but essentially nothing's going to change here. It's going to be the same as it was last year and the year before. There will be no presence of God here. And I was astounded. I was disappointed. I began to cry. I said, how is this possible? My dad was right. That was a normal camp meeting. Nothing changed. And I said, why? And I have to tell you, I asked that question, why, so many times. But today I can answer the why question. The man who led the music, he was a cute little man with a little black mustache, waxed very carefully, dressed to the tee, the flower in his lapel. He was so proud of his singing. And he led the praise and worship. In fact, he led the song we opened with Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. I almost didn't use that song because it brings back this man's pride. This man was such a proud man. I knew him well because he was the pastor of my church. And I had watched as he came to visit my daddy in the garden. And I listened to him as he talked about the difficulties going on in the church. And my daddy cut him off and said, why don't we just kneel down, Pastor, right now and let's pray about these matters. And without even thinking, my dad just dropped to his knees in that cornfield and he began to pray without even looking at what the preacher was doing. But I was watching the preacher. And he was looking at my dad with the utmost horror in his face, the thought of him kneeling in that dirt with his beautiful suit So he stood and let my dad pray for 15 or 20 minutes about the problems. And then my dad said, Amen. And he looked up and here's the preacher standing there with this awful look on his face. And my dad climbed to his feet. And they walked on and the man got in his nice shiny car and left. And I said, Daddy, didn't you want that man to pray? He said, no. No, he's too proud to pray. God wouldn't hear his prayer if he did pray. Well, I watched that week as pride was so evident, as the reports all came in, glorifying men on what they had accomplished pastor said this one has baptized 15 people this last year i listened to the prideful boasting of men now as i look back i understand why nothing changed there was no true repentance everything would have changed if this proud pastor with his neatly waxed mustache had suddenly stood up and began to confess his pride before the congregation and begin to weep over his heart's condition and the coldness of his heart. He had a beautiful wife. Oh, she wasn't physically beautiful. She was beautiful in spirit, so kind, so gentle with us young rascals in the church. 
Everybody dearly loved her. She was, I believe, the humblest woman I've ever met. Oh, could she cook. But he always spoke harshly to her. He always ordered her around. He was the man. Well, I know why nothing changed at camp meeting. Nothing changes in the church until the church begins to repent. But, oh, I don't want to go undress in front of the church. I don't want to confess my sin. Well, then nothing will change. Revival does not begin until a man begins to fear God and begins to repent of his sin. Nothing will happen until we repent of our sin. The great sin that I struggle with is the sin of fear. It is unbelief. And I was in the prayer closet early this morning, weeping before the Lord, asking the Lord once more to utterly remove all fear from my heart. For I see no way forward. I see no way forward with radio. I see no way forward with with the National Prayer Chapel. I see no way forward with revival. I recognize that there is nothing in my power that I can do. And so fear rises up in my heart. And I've had to confess this before God. I confess it before you. And I say, Lord, would you remove now this fear And I stayed in the prayer closet and I read these scriptures that I'm sharing with you today until the fear was gone. Until the fear was gone. And belief began to rise in my heart. And certainty began to rise in my spirit that God is not going to continue doing business with us as usual. He's calling for repentance. He's calling for humility of heart. He's calling us to let go of our fear. He's calling us to let go of our fear of men and women and to begin to confess honestly before before all, this is what I'm struggling with. Oh, but I couldn't do that. What would people think? Oh, you just stopped revival. That's the block to revival. It's called pride. And we can't walk in pride and have revival. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you as when Fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear is perceived, no eyes seen any God beside you who, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. 
How can you be saved if you do not humble your heart and repent before God? All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts in our flesh are like filthy rags. And so God has hidden his face from us in America. And it looks like we're prospering. But in fact, we're wasting away because of our sin. Isaiah 64, 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. We are your people. Verse 12, and after all this, O Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? We need Jesus. We need Jesus to come down and cause us to no longer do business as usual. I don't want to go to one more church service and sit through the usual service. I want to change. I want a humbling of our hearts before God. Hard-heartedness is always a sign of God's beginning to reject us. According to Isaiah 63, 17, a hard heart becomes increasingly insensitive to God's commands and we walk away from them. This hard heart shows itself most clearly by having no fear of God. No fear of God. Do you fear God? Do you tremble at His word? Are you willing to repent? I'd hope that the radio broadcast today would be filled with callers calling, asking for prayer for their struggle, repenting, confessing. When that happens, I'll know that revival has come in Washington. I will not back up. I will not give up. I will not stop. I will continue in the name of the Lord to call you to revival and to repentance. I'll continue to speak the straight word of God to you. We have only a couple minutes left. I want to pray. Lord, you alone are the God of heaven and earth. And my life and the life of every person listening is in your hand, for you are the potter and we are the clay. And Lord, many who are listening have caused their life to be shaped after the wickedness of this day. 
sitting for hours in front of the television, watching every evil and wicked thing, filling their hearts with the things of this world and of the flesh and of the devil. Many are walking in anger and bitterness, unforgiveness. Many are caught up in the casualness of life and enjoying the good things that the American lifestyle offers. But Lord, you are planning destruction for this nation if we do not repent before you with humility and tears. Lord, I plead today your mercy. And I plead that you would come down, rend the heavens, and cause the mountains to tremble. Thank you, Jesus. I wait upon you. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to be a part of sponsoring this broadcast, and I'm asking, please, could we have some of you step forward and say, yes, every month I will give a set amount. Like one brother sends $100 every month at the same time. Direct direct out of his bank, it comes. Another man gives $1,500 every month. Well, the in, we've had an increase in the price of the broadcast for this month from now forward. So would you be one of those who would step forward and say, Pastor, I'll give this set amount every month as the Lord opens the way for me? You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22. One nine five, or go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com you can click on the donate button and there you can indicate whether you're going to send a check or whether you want to use PayPal that's nationalprayerchapel.com would you also go to our webpage revivalnow.church and I'm looking for you next Monday night God bless you Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.